And now for our final topic and one that I spent um, literally all week prepping for watching historical videos on this process because I want to talk about the logistics of getting a football team. And for me, I was I was nine years old when we got the Jaguars. And so I know, you know, I have a pretty good memory of what happened after the city was awarded the team. But the how it happened to get the football team to begin with was something that I wanted to talk about today because it was one that I think, you know, a lot of different decisions um, went into this. A lot of different chess pieces were involved in this process. And it's really a sort of a fascinating deep dive into what it takes to get an NFL team to a city. Because it, especially for, you know, a, a small market like Jacksonville, you have a, a group of people that have spent decades, decades trying to get a team to town. A lot of people think it was a fly-by-night decision by the NFL in order to award award an NFL team to the city of Jacksonville, but it was not. It was years and years of relationship building of between a particular group within the Jacksonville community. And it took a lot of, you know, inferiority complexes, feeling like the NFL is absolutely going to say no to us. Also dealing with outsiders telling you, trying to reaffirm those same fears that you have about yourself, but then also, you know, having that confidence to say, no, we actually can do this because we have a history of doing it. And so let's talk about what that process looks like, because you can't just call up the NFL and say, hey, I want a team because otherwise every city in the country would be doing that and likely probably has tried at some point. So as a city, you almost have to, and this is based on the the, the video that I was watching. It's called Destiny. Um, it's about the Jacksonville Jaguars and how the city landed the team. It's over on YouTube. I have it linked in the show notes. It's a fabulous, it's about an hour-long documentary about that process. And so a lot of these video clips that you're going to see today come from that. And it, it, if we set sort of the ground level, the ground level was really about Mayor uh, Jake Godbold. He was the facilitator. He had this grand vision of bringing a team to Jacksonville. And so you kind of have to have this come to Jesus moment where you say, okay, well, where do I want to go? Where do I want to take this city? But also where have we been? So back in the late 70s and the early 80s, Jax was really looking for an identity. There were no pro sports team, but we did host the Gator Bowl. We have hosted the Gator Bowl, which is the annual matchup between the Florida Gators and the Georgia Bulldogs. So we've hosted that game every year since 1933, almost every year since 1933. There were a couple of years in there as, you know, the stadium is getting, you know, uh, redeveloped or, you know, a new stadium is being constructed. Those were the few years that we did not host the Florida Georgia game. But we also had a USFL stint in 1984, where the briefly the USFL was uh, a thing in the United States. Not anymore, but we did have a USFL team. So that was really laying the ground level in order to be able to say, hey, we have a football culture here in town. We're ready for that next step of getting an NFL team here. So then the city of Jacksonville, what they started doing is they started flirting with other teams. One of those teams, Baltimore, now the Indianapolis Colts. They were once the Baltimore Colts. In 1979, 50,000 Jacks residents showed up to the Gator Bowl to greet Bob Ursay, who is considering leaving Baltimore. So Jaguars were old, or that Jacksonville was old, uh, was actively flirting with other teams to try to get them to bring their team to our city. Bob Ursay actually famously landed a helicopter in the middle of the once Gator Bowl where all of those 50,000 fans were at, which is really sort of a interesting to see fans holding up signs that saying Jax wants the Colts, which is now, you know, 
present day a division rival of the Jaguars, but they once tried to steal away the Baltimore Colts. The Colts would, of course, you know, pack up in the middle of the night and controversially leave to go over to Indianapolis. Ultimately, that is where they have been ever since. There is another team that we tried to woo away, and a lot of the Titans fans don't know this, but Jack's also tried to woo away the Houston Oilers. The Houston Oilers would eventually move to Nashville and become the Tennessee Titans, and eventually become the arch rival of the Jaguars. There are a lot of uh, Freightways production staff that are hating the show today uh, because they are all located in Tennessee. And so they are Jaguar or they are not Jaguars fans. They are Jaguars haters, but not as much, I think, as Jaguars hate Titans fans. I think it's kind of one-sided with how many Jaguars fans actively hate the Titans fans. And we're not going to go into those reasons today because I, I would need like two hours in order to, to discuss that topic. <laughs> as the, the production team is actually buzzing in my ear saying a go Titans. But I think it's also kind of ironic that the Jacksonville spent so long trying to get or spent years flirting with other cities to get them to bring their team here. And then now present day, the past, I would say probably 10 to 15 years, uh, other cities have actively tried to pull the Jaguars away, looking at you, LA and London. So no, Jaguars aren't going anywhere Let's fingers crossed. But ultimately, you know, in this particular situation, Jake Godbold and his team were doing was about building relationships because all of that that I just told you happened in the late 70s and 80s. And so in 1991, the NFL decided to add two teams to the current 28 team list, bringing the total to 30 teams. So five cities were invited to participate in the expansion of the NFL. So it was Baltimore, Carolina, Jacksonville, Memphis, and St. Louis. And so what happens next is that the city of Jacksonville forms an official group. So they have to form this official group called Touchdown Jacks in order to be the liaison to bring that team and set up at all of the negotiations that has to happen from you know the, the ultimate decision of, hey, you know, we're gonna give you a shot from the NFL in order to making that, you know, dream come to fruition. So the requirements from the NFL in order to get a team is that. The NFL wants to deal with one person. They want one representative. They don't want to deal with a group. So even Touchdown Jacks was formed. They don't want to deal with an entire group. You have one owner that comes to the owner's meetings and that's who they want to deal with. That is the ultimate sort of point of contact. So you have to have one point of contact. And then they would also be an owner that the league accepted. So you can't just nominate anyone. You have to nominate somebody that's going to be the owner of the team uh, be the liaison, but then also be an owner that the other owners would accept into their club, into their exclusive club. Then the other agree or the other requirement that you had to do was a first class or new facilities agreement in place. So you either had to have a brand new stadium or you had to have an agreement with the city and the taxpayers in order to fund a brand new city. Then you also had to pre-sell club seats so that the community would show support. And so if you're looking on the screen right now, there's a sign that says, get your NFL club seats on July 1st. Your grandchildren will thank you. And so now that the requirements are already listed, that's when the real work begins. And so what happened is that the you had to negotiate between the city council and the city itself uh, in order to replace the Gator Bowl that was, you know, very, you know, sort of uh, not underfunded, but it needed, it wasn't a first-class facility that the NFL wanted. Um, so if you ever watched any of these sort of lease renewals or, you know, stadiums and other sports trying to get a new stadium, you know that those discussions can get a little ugly. And uh, the stadium pricing started out at 50 million, but the price kept rising because of all of the other teams that were in the mix. All the other four teams you're essentially competing 
competing with. And so if they're going to make a $100 million stadium, then you have to make a $120 million stadium. So the prices started to get crazy. And you can probably imagine how annoyed, you know, the non-football fans became, especially the ones on city council, um, which is an interesting note because Touchdown Jacks knew about this annoyance, but instead they switched their pitch to saying, okay, let's look at it as you were already going to spend 50 million on stadium renovations on the current stadium, but the NFL is going to give you an NFL team and you get a brand new stadium for 120 million, which I know it's a lot of money, but if you think about it from that lens, that's the way the touchdown jacks pitched it. So I thought that that was interesting. The next thing that they had to do, so once they came to that agreement with the city council and the stadium financing, the next would be to pre-sell those 10,000 10, club seats in 10 days. Jacksonville had to do that. So the team went to the local news stations. They held a, a ticket drive. They went to large corporations in order to get them to commit to you know 500 tickets, 250 tickets, sort of an interesting note here is that with a lot of these companies, they didn't think that Jacksonville had a chance either to get the team. And so they just said, yeah, we'll, we'll get, you know, put us down for 500, not thinking that the team would actually come to, to Jacksonville. So there was a lot of, uh, Wayne Weaver says a lot of tight callers after the, uh, after the approval was finally given. So I thought that that was also an interesting note, um, about the ticket sale process, but they ended up hitting that goal. And then, uh, they actually extended or not extended the goal, but exceeded the goal of over 10,000. So between the local community support, the local business support, they were able to get that 10,000 ticket threshold uh, within 10 days, which is crazy to think about. Now, after all of that, they have to then submit all of that as an application in order to submit it to the NFL. They had one month to do this. Let's play a video from, from Tom Wade, who was in charge of that. Tom Wade was tasked with putting together a detailed application we sincerely appreciate the league's serious consideration of Jacksonville for an NFL franchise. In a short amount of time. It was one month. There were nights that, uh, that I slept on the floor and woke up and worked some more. It was around the clock. You know, you just don't call up the NFL and say, hey, you know, I want to, we want a franchise. Uh, that may be the way it starts. It's a bit, it's about building the relationships, about them taking you seriously, about them vetting the city. One of the major points was that the NFL was really formed in the days when the Rust Belt was uh, was healthier, and so uh, the Southeast was 20% of the population and 10% of the team. So uh, one of the reasons I think for having a team here is you're putting. Uh, franchises in places where the people will be, not where they have been. My recollection is that we sent one of the interns in the office uh, with the application to the airport on the plane to hand deliver it to the NFL. But it was finished the day it was due. Which is sort of crazy to think about. Now, there was also a couple of other components in that pitch, which was like a promo video for the city of Jacksonville itself, sort of marketing itself. And the voiceover for that video was done by James Earl Jones. I wish I could play it for you, but go watch that original sort of Destiny video and you can hear James Earl Jones. Yes, the, the voice of Darth Vader, the voice of Mufasa and Lion King. He's the narrator of that promo video. And he did this before he was Mufasa in, in Lion King. So I thought that that was also an interesting note. So this is an entire package that's put together 
together, it's submitted to the NFL, and then it comes down to voting. And so when the owners are getting together and they're voting, a lot of people think that Jacksonville and Charlotte were announced in the same year. And they were announced in the same year, but not at the same time. Because after these ownership meetings, it was Charlotte that was only approved and they uh, the rest of the teams were given an additional month. A lot of people think that this was a situation where they were the NFL was trying to give St. Louis an additional opportunity to sort of come to bat with a really good proposal. They never ended up doing that. And of course, Jacksonville was later awarded the franchise in uh, a later month decision day. And I think we have enough time to play the announcement video, but I think it's really important. So let's play it. This is a special edition of Eyewitness News. Good afternoon. I'm Deborah Giannola with Rob Sweeting. Jacksonville, are you sitting down? We have just learned that Touchdown Jacksonville says that it has been confirmed that Jacksonville has become the 30th NFL brand. Holy sh! We got it. We need somebody to pinch us. Uh, it's my pleasure to announce that the uh, membership has selected Jacksonville as the 30th NFL club. I just want to say, uh, Commissioner, that uh, the decision that the NFL made here today that Jacksonville is certainly going to make you proud. And they definitely have made us all proud because after 27 years of being awarded the teams, Jaguars are finally getting their first player inducted into the Hall of Fame this weekend. Mr. Tony Baselli left tackle for the Jaguars. Very first ever draft round, draft pick ever in the team's history. So it's kind of all coming to fruition for the city of Jacksonville and the Jaguars and being able to put this accomplishment, you know, on on the pedestal that it deserves because it really is the story of getting the Jaguars is the story of how the fan base and the players are today. It took determination. It took believing in the little guy. And it's really been an honor to sort of watch this all unfold. So I hope, you know, as we have the closing seconds, I hope you guys all tune into the Hall of Fame game tonight and the ceremonies on Saturday. One last time, go Jags. I hope you enjoyed that episode of Everything is Logistics, a podcast by Digital Dispatch, where we help your company build a better website. And speaking of my company, I founded it back in 2018, but we recently streamlined our website services plans. So if you want to check out how we can help you and your marketing team build a better website and connect those ROI goals, then go visit digitaldispatch.io. You can also check out past episodes of this show and every show by hitting up the resources page on digitaldispatch.io or on everythingislogistics.com. I do some freelance content projects for select clients. And if you liked this show, then you might like some of the other content projects that I've worked on, like Cyberly, Maritime Means, and more. But until next time, I'm Blake Brumleave, and I will see you real soon. Go Jags!